1: This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. I have with me Desiree Duffy. She is the founder of Black Chateau, a marketing and public relations agency, also the founder of Books That Make You, a multimedia brand that promotes books and authors through its award winning website podcast and radio show and the book fest adventure a biannual online event that brings together book lovers from around the world Desiree welcome
0: hi Becky thank you I'm, I'm glad to be here great well
1: let's start at the very beginning let's <laughs> uh, let's uh, get us some context how did you get started in book marketing
0: oh my that's such a loaded question because I've been <laughs> marketing and PR for so long. So yeah. you know, my, my early career actually was in radio. So that's why when somebody says, hey, you want to do my podcast? I'm like, sure, that's I can do that. Yeah. Um, but as my career evolved, I did marketing, I did PR, I worked in-house at companies, I worked for nonprofit organizations. And then my last corporate job, so to speak, for starting my own business, Sins, yes. as you pointed out, was vice president of a digital marketing agency. Wow. So I took a lot of that experience. And as an author myself, as so many of us are, yes, we, we have some kind of career. And then we decided to write that book. Well, when I wrote that book, I realized that in the world of books, yeah, there are some very similar things to doing PR for you know, a cosmetic company, or for fashion, or for SaaS, or for nonprofits, or education, but books are unlike anything else. And I saw a real need for there to be support for authors who are marketing their books, especially the self-published or the indie authors. And then, Becky, I also saw, I realized once I got going, because at first I thought my agency would just serve those self-published authors, those small, small indie press, maybe, right? And then authors that were with some of the big five, four, whatever it is now, yeah, publishers came to me, and I realized really fast that even the big publishers who used to do so much in the in the form of marketing and PR, they weren't doing that as much anymore. So that's kind of where and how I built my firm and where my right. back feeds into it.
1: Oh, that, that's cool. Yeah. The, the, the changing landscape of indie publishing is certainly has had an impact in there, it sounds like. Yes. And there is so much need. I mean, we just look at how many authors there are publishing every year. It's a huge number. We really need a lot of different options and, and people that can be in this, you know, assistant role, if you will. Maybe that's the wrong term, but a, more of a collaborative, you know, having a team you know i talk a lot about the importance of having a team especially as you're marketing your book or your audiobook and of course our focus is audiobooks but it is only one piece of the larger platform that needs to be raised because when we're marketing audio it's not only audio right we have to raise the entire author platform so recently and this is actually the way that I learned about your work and connecting with you there was an you had a couple of featured articles in IBPA's independent and for our listeners that may not be familiar with that acronym IBPA you should know about it is Independent Book Publishers Association and if you are an indie author you absolutely should be aware of and a member of that organization and they have a magazine that goes out every two months. In there, you had an article or two articles on TikTok and your exploration into that up-and-coming platform. So I'd like to dive into that arena for our listeners since our focus is on that audio component. Um, First of all, in your work, what brought your attention to TikTok as a platform in, in a way that made you feel like you wanted to test it out.
0: It was book talk, which is the hashtag, or you can call it the community within a community. TikTok is very broad, you know, it's like Facebook, but within Facebook, you have lots of smaller groups. It's like on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow a hashtag, and that whole hashtag unleashes an, an area or a community because you're all talking and communicating within that. Right. In TikTok. I find that that sense of community by using a hashtag is even more so. Book talk within TikTok is a thing, unlike even writing community is on Twitter or groups is on Facebook. When I started to see the, the fans reactions, you know, because these book talkers, these are people who just love books and they started talking about books. And there's a book by John Silva called They Both Die at the End. And this was one of the very first books that really took off on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And the book itself, it's a lovely book. It's young adult, and we can talk a little bit more about the different genres that do really well, their young adult being one of them because of the, the demographic. Yeah. The thing is, is that book was a backlist book. It had been out for years. All of a sudden, the sales started going up, and the publisher and their author is like, What what's happening? We're not doing (laughs) any advertising. Interesting. We promoted this book, and it was just the viralness of Book Talk. It was a couple of people that one person. I mean, you probably trace it back to one person, right? Right. Started talking about it, and they started crying because guess what? The title of the book is "They Both Die at the End," so they both die at the end. Right. Right. Yeah. But they they really got into it, and then. The, the community just grew and grew. So there's lots of things that book talkers are doing that you might not consider in your traditional advertising or marketing. They're reviewing books. They're annotating books. They're doing quirky videos. They're lip singing, singing about books. They're <laughs> making their bookshelf look different ways. So there's like this, this creativeness that happens on book talk which is, an, again, within TikTok, yeah. that you just don't find on other social media platforms.
1: Yeah, interesting. So I liked how you clarified that book talk is like a community within TikTok. And so for that community... Would you say, and you touched on this a little bit, but is this for authors of all different genres? Is, I mean, is it appropriate for that or, or is it really just for those who want to reach that young adult audience or maybe into their 20s? What's, you know, what's the landscape in terms of audience and who this might be appropriate for?
0: I think the audiences and the genres are expanding as BookTok and TikTok grows. Um, Again, YA, romance, mysteries. A lot of the genre fiction tends to do very well. But recently, I've seen nonfiction start to do well. I've seen old crime cases, the Menendez brothers from way, way back in the day, if you remember them, that story about, you know, if they killed their parents, murdered their parents, two brothers from California. That took on a whole new life because somebody started talking about it. So you have millennials and even younger Gen Xers or Gen Z who are are looking at this going, hey, do you guys hear about this? You know, for them, it was 20 some years ago and they never heard about it. So true crime is becoming a thing on BookTok and TikTok. And I think that's the exciting part is depending upon what your genre is, you can go and more specifically find book talkers who are interested in talking about it. And that, you know, it leads back to your original question about why was I doing this for IBPA? What, why, why did I do this case study? And it was because at the time I was experimenting myself. I was feeling things out and I would like to be a little bit systematic and a little scientific, but in that discovery process, That's where you can find whether or not your book or genre might be a fit. Don't be discouraged or just write it off if you're like, ah, you know what, I write nonfiction diet books. That will never work there because they say that's only for romance and genre fiction. You don't know what it is that might grab somebody's interest. You don't know what the thing is, even if you have a backlist book, book that's 10 years old, I think that's the exciting part, is you can breathe some new life into it. So I wouldn't discount all of the other genres that are out there. Do keep in mind if it, if the book is literary fiction and it's written for a demographic that's fifty five plus, that might be a tricky one, you know. Right. Or if it's something that that is really niche that might be tricky. But those types of genres are tricky no matter where you're trying to advertise and market them.
1: Right, right. So is the as far as we know the the demographic of who is on TikTok tends to be younger. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I would say Gen Z, millennials. There's some Gen Xers and boomers. Heck, I've seen people who are 75 plus rocking it on TikTok because if they're dancing or singing, that's a whole thing in and of itself. So even though you kind of know it skews younger and that's really, you know, the generation that started it between Gen Z and Millennials. It's funny because now Gen Z is even making fun of the Millennials for being, you know, not really with it. So I'm I'm Gen Gen X, so I'm just like laughing at everybody below (laughs) me. I remember what that was like. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I I do think that you do have that younger demographic for the most part, but they embrace anybody who's older and willing to have fun. And You know, another thing that they, they like to do too is when an author appears on TikTok and there's almost like this confusion of what am I doing here? Why are we yeah. doing this?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They, they, they love that. They love that authenticness. They don't want you to be there putting on airs and trying to be somebody you're not the authenticness of the writer and the book and the story. If that comes true, I see that the community there really embraces it.
1: Yeah. And I say, you know, even just based on what you said about the inception of book talk, you know that one person got hold of a title that they were excited about sharing, that that in itself is a reminder that, okay, maybe you don't have thousands of people that would typically be in your demographic on TikTok, but that doesn't mean that you're you know you should write or book talk off as a as a channel. So with audio, of course, one of the things that, that we talk about is creating these audiograms, like little short videos, typically a book cover image, clip from the audio book. Do you see those as an appropriate or helpful kind of video to post on book Talk?
0: I think that's a great idea. I mean, because you've got the audio element there. And if, if you've gone through all of the work and I'm probably preaching to the choir here, great, that because <laughs> that's not not a small task either. You thought, you thought writing the book was hard. Woo, you right. know, get to record it. But I, I think that's a really great way to do it. And if you're showing the book cover, showing the inside of the book, doing something video wise that goes with it, yeah. I think that's an excellent way to, especially in the beginning to, to use TikTok and BookTok to kind of get your feet wet in that community.
1: Yeah might be kind of fun to have if if you could figure out how to do a sort of peeking around the from behind the book image as the author you know so okay, that might be yeah. kind of give it that little bit of personal element right <laughs> yeah yeah that.
0: exactly exactly
1: great so in your article you talked a lot about influencers and how they played a really important part in the success that you experienced so i'd like to dig in a little deeper into that Realm. First of all, how did you figure out who would be the influencers that you then ended up engaging?
0: Yeah, that's a great two part question there. So it goes back to how we wanted to use TikTok. Even before we decided to do the case study, we were looking at okay, what is TikTok? How do we use it? How do you maximize it? What's already happening there? And a lot of people are like, oh, you should be on TikTok. Or you should have a profile there. It's kind of like saying you need to be on Facebook or you need to be on right. you need to be on Instagram. When you're on a platform, and here's the thing where I tend to go against what a lot of people say about social media and authors. I believe that an author should probably be on two channels and rock them out. They should be the ones they want to be on. Don't force yourself to be on Instagram if you hate it. I actually mm-hmm. hate it. <laughs> Don't force yourself to be on Twitter if you hate it. I actually love it. Go where you feel comfortable and where your audience is. That's the other thing. So audience is why you hate Instagram. Ooh, that might be a hard one, but you you might have to suck that one up. It's the same thing with TikTok. I wrote an article kind of with tongue in cheek about don't be on TikTok unless you want to be a dancing author. And I wrote that at this point, probably about two years ago when TikTok first came up. And the idea was at that time, people were dancing. They were lip syncing. They were being very creative on TikTok and knowing most of the authors I know doing something like that was so far out of their comfort zone (laughs) to do it unless they really want to start dancing. If you want to start dancing, great. But otherwise, you're going to be just floundering around. And in the end, I'd rather see you use that time for other platforms or other ways of promoting and marketing your book. That's a better use of everybody's time, you know, because then at the end of it, it's like, look, I'm on TikTok. I danced, and I did these 20 videos and I've got 20 followers.
1: Right. Worth yeah. it.
0: So the idea I have is there's creatives on TikTok, on all channels, but really it's a creator platform. These you are know people who are putting time and energy into these videos and these postings, like you wouldn't believe. This isn't just prattling something off on Twitter or even just prattling something off on Facebook or Instagram and adding a pretty picture to it. They're doing stop animation. They're dancing. They're doing moves. They're coordinating. They're stitching videos together. They're doing an entire scene where their bookshelf is all of a sudden decorated in different ways. That takes a lot of time. So rather than trying to tell authors or even ourselves, now we do have a book talk channel, but that wasn't the big thing. The big thing is Let's find influencers that we want to work with who want to help talk about our books, talk about, and we used our book fest. We decided to promote book fast, which is going to promote a whole bunch of authors. And that's where the idea came from. And so then as you saw in that case study, we went out and created a hot list. We did our research and it was just a matter of going through, following the hashtag book talk, That's the best way to do it just uh-huh. using that and see who has lots of followers, who has lots of views and looking at the content of their videos, you know, just like with every social media platforms, they're the ones that become popular because they're kind of cranky and defensive. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you don't want to do, a, a you know, a, have an influencer whose big shtick is trashing books, right? We're, right. We're not, we're not looking for the, the negative critics. So once we had that hot list of the ones that we wanted to work with, then the hard part started because I am a person who loves to use email. And guess what? Gen Z and millennials, they like to use direct messages and they don't respond well to emails. <laughs> so it was a combination of emailing them, and then going on to, to TikTok and we have social media team members who can help out. It's like, okay, can you DM them? Can you direct message them and see if they're getting my our emails? So it was, you know, tracking, tracking down the ones and, and talking to them and saying, hey, we want to do something creative. Do you wanna do you wanna join us? Are you interested in doing this? And then, you know, just like anything else, we hired them, we paid them. Yeah. I believe in paying creatives for their time. That's me. You yeah. might be able to find people who will do it for free. There's a certain concept sometimes I think that authors have that everybody should promote my book for free. Like,
1: oh,
0: right. Okay. You know, some, sometimes somebody will do an interview with you and it's for free. But a lot of times people are going to promote things because, you know, it, it makes money. And if they're spending hours making that video, they should be compensated. Oh, so yeah. compensate right. them. We made contracts, we did, you know, everything, even down to taxes, 1099s and all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's basically how we did it from, you know, beginning to end.
1: Yeah. Wow. So that, uh, that determination that they would be appropriate was really in that kind of phase after you did the initial research to find out who had, who was influential, right? By based on their followers and then checking their videos to see what was a fit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Great. And just curious on the the contract that you were that you created with them, what kind of results were you agreeing to? Or was it not results based? Was it more activity based?
0: Actually, we did more activity based because we were experimenting. we We didn't know what results we could possibly want or how to measure them. Yeah, Our agreements were pretty flexible. And that was by design. I wanted the book talkers, the influencers to feel they had creative freedom. You know, they get approached a lot and somebody's like, okay, I want you to promote my book and you have to say this and you have to do this and you have to hold it mm. up this way. And, you know, they do also have to disclose that it's a sponsored post if they're being paid for it. And in the end, all you did was hire somebody to make a commercial. Right. And I don't know about you, but when I'm watching commercials... I tend to phase them out. I tend to go right by them. We wanted the creativity that they've already been doing and has been proven effective because that's why they have an audience, right? We wanted to integrate into that as much as possible. So that was kind of the the philosophy that we, you know, in turn put into the contract as well. Now, I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely if an independent author out, is looking to do something similar, they might want to put in some kind of stipulations that the video has to get at least 10,000 views or something along those lines. Yeah. Even since then, we've been working with some book talkers and we've done a few different things too. One of them, for example, is going to do everything for a flat rate. And then it's based on a scale of how many views the video. Oh, yeah. Had. And now we're paying like an extra amount for this, Threshold and an extra amount. Oh, that's
1: nice. That sounds threshold. like a
0: good, good model. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm curious as to whether you now, having worked with these kind of influencers on Book Talk, if this is an approach that you are looking at on other social media platforms as well.
0: We actually do have a lot of influencers that are already on Instagram, Bookstagrammers type of a thing, and we work with plenty who are on Facebook and Twitter and and all over the place. So. If from the point of view of our PR and marketing firm, when we're getting reviews of books or advanced reviews, we we do a few different things. You're probably familiar with NetGalley. We do NetGalley, yeah. but mm-hmm. then we also have our own team of book bloggers that we send books out to. They tend to be, you know, on all of these different platforms, including some of them now on on TikTok. So that's that's kind of how we've been doing things for several years now. Yeah. But TikTok just kind of coming onto the scene and being just a little bit out of sorts with how we would necessarily work with the other ones.
1: Yeah. Great. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back.
0: Looking for a way
1: to get some direction and help with building your author platform and marketing your books and audiobooks? Pro Audio Voices created the audiobook marketing program to help authors like yourself get the support they need at an affordable rate. We work with you to bring your goals together with our marketing expertise to create a customized blueprint, the tools and materials to build your platform, step-by-step instructions, and the team to help you all along the way. For more information, visit proaudiovoices.com and click on Audiobook Marketing Programme. Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. In your article, you also talked about the shareability, that viralness that surpasses many of the other social media platforms and makes BookTok more attractive for the appropriate content, we'll say. Tell us a little bit more about that aspect of talk.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So on the one hand, within TikTok, they have something that's called stitching. So you've probably seen this if you've been on TikTok, where a video is done by somebody and other people kind of jump on it. It becomes a meme. For example, there's the oh no meme that some of us might have heard or even seen elsewhere. And it goes back to the song, like it's a really old song, but it's been redone several times. It's oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to sing it. I think you can sing it, but I can't sing it. But what people do with that video is the first oh, no, is something's happening and it kind of freezes and then something else happens. And it's usually, you know, some kind of an accident or falling down or something like that. It's become a meme, this whole idea of oh, no. It's the oh, no meme. And if you still don't understand what the heck I'm talking about, don't worry, I'm explaining it poorly. But just Google (laughs) oh, no, TikTok. And you'll you'll get it right away. Yeah. But when, when when something like that happens, meme appropriate videos, and you're allowed to stitch, then other people in, in TikTok are gonna stitch them and do funny and crazy things. There was one where somebody showed it was like a cooking video on how to make the perfect quesadilla. And they they ended up folding it four ways. It's really clever. I'm like, oh, I never thought of it because I mean it's kind of like eat it as a sandwich. And people took that concept and made all of these different videos doing all of these different things. So that's the one thing with TikTok is that shareability within the platform. And you can create these memes and it just kind of blossoms from this one little idea, this one little video, and it's everywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. back to memes, think Grumpy Cat, how Grumpy Cat was somebody's cat and then it went everywhere. On the other hand of that, the shareability, the other aspect that I mentioned is the fact that you can share TikTok videos virtually on any other platform without a lot of hassle. I can't really share my Instagram on other platforms. I mean, I can, but it just doesn't work as well. Instagram has things in place and Facebook owns Instagram. So it's just kind of difficult. Yeah. It, It just doesn't come across as well. Whereas you'll see a lot of TikTokers that also then will post that on YouTube. You'll see people on YouTube that'll, collect a bunch of TikTok videos and compile them together. And they're now sharing that. So once something happens on TikTok, it can kind of hit these other platforms. I'm on Twitter a lot. And I'm always seeing people posting that TikTok video on Twitter because they liked it so much over there that now they're sharing it on their other platforms. So that's the other component about the shareability on TikTok that I think is really cool. That is very cool.
1: Yeah. There's another aspect or element of TikTok and you mentioned it in the article and that's about business pages versus personal pages. So, and I this is also true of course on Facebook at least. I know often authors have questions about well, which do I choose? So, could you share whatever recommendations you might have around for indie authors about either which to choose or how to decide when they're when they're trying to decide
0: Sure, sure. And you mentioned Facebook, and I think that's a good one to kind of say. Facebook does it differently. Okay. Instagram, TikTok, even Twitter, they, when you're on somebody's page and it's a business page, you feel less like you're on a business page. It feels and looks to the casual viewer just like anybody's profile, except for when we're talking about Facebook. So that, I think that can be confusing. The way I like to explain Facebook to people, really quick, if you don't mind indulging me. No, please. On Facebook, you have a profile. That's you. You can also have a page. That's your business, or that's your book or your books. Those two things are very different in functionality and the way people see them. Think of it this way. Your Facebook profile, you, that's your house. Your Facebook page is your business. You just opened up a store. So a lot of times when I see people that want to do things back and forth, they're like, oh, well, I want to put my logo on my, my profile, on my page. I'm like, okay, would you put your logo, your sign on the door of your house? No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the difference in mentality. Mm-hmm. Again, now taking that to TikTok or Instagram to or Twitter, like I mentioned, people don't really see the difference between the page and the profile. They look and feel the same way to the average person. So when you're an author, I feel like you're a little bit more of a business. And so if you establish yourself as a business profile or a business page, it usually is going to benefit you more because of the fact that you're going to get analytics and metrics. You're going to be able to do things like advertising and not just rely on the viralness or the organic appeal of something. A lot of times you can start something as a profile and then transfer it over if you're unsure and you just kind of want to get your feet wet. Especially on TikTok, I I recommend just, just watch for a while. You don't have to post anything. You can create a profile. You can even make it private. And then you're just hanging out and watching. So don't feel like you have to jump in and have a profile and start building things right away. Be a little bit of a voyeur at first to get your feet wet. And then you can decide if you want to start a profile and if you want to make that a business page.
1: Yeah, great. I couldn't help but uh, think of Peter Sellers and being there. I like to watch, Eve.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I didn't and, mean to make it creepy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, but he didn't even mean it creepy. So, <laughs> no, no, I, I think that that's a great, you know, the the process of observing, we can learn so much. And I think that's that's a really great recommendation. Would your advice be any different for small publishers or regardless of the size of the publisher? But I'm I'm thinking particularly of small publishers. Would you change that?
0: No, I actually think even more so they should probably be a business because they're going to be representing lots of books and different authors. And yeah. I would recommend for somebody like that, especially to try to find influencers that they can perhaps work with and hire to do videos because those influencers then they can go back to again and again because it's not just one title or even just one series. It's probably several different titles and authors. And especially if you're a small small press or an indie press, or an imprint you know and you're specialized in mystery thrillers for example well then those influencers are going to tend to be very similar from time to time so especially if you have several books from several authors in your catalog and you're going to be continuing to do that building those relationships is much like building the relationships that you would have with book reviewers you know you're going to go to the ones that like that genre and you'll be able to get momentum down the road yeah Great.
1: Now, when you did this sort of test case with book Talk, you were doing a specific campaign for an event, right? How do you see it working, if, if any different? Maybe it's not. How do you see it working either for like book launches or just for ongoing marketing?
0: Mm-hmm. For a book launch, I think it's not a bad idea if you want to find a couple of influencers that are all going to release that video around the time that your book is launched. And, you know, using the hashtag, you're still using hashtags, book launch, et cetera. I think that's a great idea to integrate that into a book launch strategy. I'm currently actually working with an author who wanted to explore book talk and he has, he has a, an extensive catalog. He's in the courtroom drama type genre. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, that's what I mean. It's a little bit of not the best fit, but we have found some influencers for him. And he has a three book series. The third book in the series is about to come out. But right now we're actually promoting the first two. And it's that whole mentality, especially if you have a series of get them hooked on book one, maybe book two, but really get them hooked on book one. You can almost do, you know, even if you're doing some kind of a sales advertising um, pricing strategy, you know, offer that first book for free or almost free. Because then it becomes a lost leader and they're going to get hooked on the series and then the sales for the other books will come. So, you know, it kind of depends upon the book, the genre, if it's a series and and everything. But to answer your question, I think either way is perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. So when you are working with influencers on where you're just working with them on like an ongoing basis or have they all been sort of more campaign-based?
0: So far, many of them have been more campaign-based But what we're doing to as an agency, so we're not like a publisher that has a catalog that we're publishing, but we do obviously have a lot of different authors that we work with. So for a lot of the influencers that we're talking to, basically what I'm saying is, hey, we've got this author, we would like you to do this, this, and this. And by the way, we might have authors in the future too. And it, it's like we're creating our own mini database of potential influencers that we can go back to. You right. know, every time we work with somebody, we're not just evaluating what kind of a job they did, but how easy were they to work with? Right. How much did they charge? What's their pricing? How might that work for an author in the future who has a similar book? And then, you know, right now I'm doing the hard work, right? Doing right. laying the groundwork is hard. But then, you know, the the authors that come to us down the road are actually going to benefit because it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to call up this influencer and this, you know, this one on Book Talk, and we can create a campaign because we've already gone through the motion, so to speak. Yeah,
1: that's great. You know, certainly it feels like, uh, I think probably for most of our listeners and myself, you know, it, it feels like this whole new world to explore and test out, right? Anything additional to what you've already expressed in terms of advice, Uh, any general advice for already overwhelmed authors in terms of whether they should invest that time to learn TikTok or BookTok and invest the money to pay influencers? Any thoughts? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think if you are going to get into it, make sure that you have a budget. Don't expect the free promotions because It's just not the same as you might get some free shout outs on Instagram or on other social media platforms. And, you know, NetGalley is kind of its own thing. Don't go into it expecting that. I tell you, one of the influencers came back to me and said, the budget starts in the low five digits. That meant low, like $10,000 was the lowest he could go for one video. So When you're doing that research, you might not be going for the ones that have millions of followers. You know, there's almost like the sliding scale, you know, and for a few hundred dollars, you know, if you're budgeting several hundred dollars and you want to get a couple of influencers, you're probably more in the $100,000 or 100000 uh, follower range, so just kind of keep that in mind, because I don't want people going into it and being like, "Oh my God, somebody's trying to charge me ten thousand dollars." Right? Well, Desiree said I should do this. <laughs> 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 um, Disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that you had to do it, but right. just kind of go into it with a little bit of you know savvy and some kind of a budget, and again, just check it out, enjoy it. If you're even too too hesitant to put it onto your phone. You know, maybe ask your niece or your son or daughter or somebody and say, "Can can I watch some TikTok videos with you?" And worst case scenario, if you don't have that, go to YouTube on your browser and just look up TikTok videos on YouTube, and you'll start to get an idea of what it's all about.
1: Yeah, great. So I'm I'm going to ask this, even though it sounds almost like the same question, but or or like an addition to the question, this last question. But how might you recommend authors? approach the decision about where to put their energy and resources. So it's a little little more pulled back in general. Mm-hmm. Just any, any recommendations or advice about their decisions about time or you know energy
0: and resources. And I'm gonna pull that back too, because I think the ultimate thing that every author needs to really ask themselves and answer honestly to themselves is what are your goals? Yes. What- Write this book. <laughs> <All Yes>. right <laughs> Becky and I the same way, because it's different for every author. That's right. And I, I actually have a list, a list that I created way back when I started the firm. And there's 13 different reasons that authors write books besides making money. Yeah. Quite often, if an author comes to me and says, "I've got a million dollar book, and you need to market it for me so that we can make millions of dollars," I'm like. And the 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 publishers turned you down. Why? Why did the publishers turn down this million dollar idea? Yeah. You know, it's like, if you're writing because you love it, because you want to get a story out there for the world, that's so much more powerful. And that just feels more genuine. You know, really, if you want to be a millionaire, you probably should have gone into investment banking because, you know, there's very few authors who make it to be millionaires. And they especially don't do it right out of the gate. Right. We have a few outliers, you know, our Andy Weir's and you know, people who might have, you know, done something online and then it took off and it hit. But usually authors are doing this for the long game. Prolific right. authors. You know, I had the pleasure of talking with Jonathan Mayberry, who started out as a journalist and then he started writing a little bit. It took him years to get to the stage he's at. You hear that all the time. So, you know, ask yourself what your goals are so many authors who are just, this is my one and only book I'm ever going to do. Well, you're probably not going to make millions of dollars on your one and only book, but did you write that? So you have a legacy for your family. Is it your memoir that you want your great, great grandkids to read one day? You know, is it, is it a business book? People who write nonfiction and it's a how-to book and it's a business book, is that business book going to help you build up your business, give you credibility? Is it a calling card where you can actually hand it to a client when they walk into your office and say, by the way, I wrote the book on how to do X, Y, Z. Because that really builds up your your clout as far as somebody possibly hiring you to consult or work with them. If, If you're doing any kind of consulting work, maybe you're a coach of some kind and you're doing workshops You do a lot of events where that book is something that you're selling at the back of the room. Again, it might not be that you're making a lot of money with those back-of-the-room book sales, but all of it works together to help increase your brand profile. So to answer that question that you pulled back on, I pulled back on it too, because the goals of what you're doing matter. If yes. you're looking to find TikTok influencers and you think it's going to turn your book into an instant bestseller, I'm not saying it hasn't happened for people, but be realistic. You don't want to have that disappointment.
1: Yeah, I love that you pulled back to goals. That's where I always start. It's it's the very first question we ask anyone when you know before we start working with them to get clear on on their goals. So I want. So, if our listeners would like to learn more about your services and how they might uh, work with you or learn more from you, could you share your website?
0: Sure. So, if you're interested in Black Chateau for PR and marketing help, we do a lot of work with authors and promoting their books, especially for book launches. That's our specialty, and that's BlackChateauEnterprises.com. Right. And if you're interested in seeing what we're doing with the book fest, we do the book fest every spring, every fall. It's free to attend. Go to thebookfest.com. You can sign up for email alerts and become a book fester. That way, you're always in the loop on things that we're doing. And books that make you, books that make com. That's our brand as well. And that's where we do articles and interviews. I do a, a podcast very similar to this, Becky. So those are three brands. So please check us out, and all of them have Instagram and Facebook. And I'm on Twitter, like I said. Yeah, great. TikTok too.
1: Yeah, and maybe uh, just tell us just a little bit more about the book fest. Is that literally like a book festival for you know more geared towards the consumer, or or tell us about it?
0: Yeah, it is both. So we started it when lockdowns first happened when COVID, before we knew how long COVID would be a thing. Back in 2020, when the Los Angeles Times Festival, books who we love and we're always there, we always have a a booth and we have in-booth signings. When they said, oops, we can't do it because of COVID, we said, ooh, shoot, we have all of these authors that were planning on being there. And we've done online events before. We've done Jingle Books, which is our online Facebook book party for years. It's like, yeah, let's do this online. And in six weeks, we created a website. We invited not only authors that we work with, but we reached out. And even the funniest thing I think is on a kind of a lark, I was like, wouldn't it be fun to have somebody ironic read the children's book, Goodnight Moon, at the very end? It's kind of like a, <laughs> a finale. Like, who is the most ironic person you could think of? Danny Trejo, right? Machete. <laughs> so I asked him, and he said, yes. And so we, we got just like this overwhelming response. I think a lot of it was because people were locked down and they couldn't go. <laughs> but Mitch Elbaum, he was the number one bestselling memoirist of all time, Tuesdays with Maury, he came on board. Sarah Kenzier, a journalist, and uh, she did a conversation with Connie Schultz was also a USA Today journalist. We just had all of these people come together for that very first one. And because it worked out so well, we did it a second time. And between that first and second time, at first we called it LA Book Fest. And then I realized, wait, people around the world are watching. Just because we're in LA doesn't yeah. mean everybody else is. So we dropped right. LA, became just the Book Fest. And at first it was just for readers. And then I have so many people in the writing community, editors and publicists and publishers coming to me saying, how can we be involved? I was like, well, this is geared toward the, the reader. That's when we decided to do two days. So day one is geared more for readers. Day two, more for writers. And as you probably know, there's a there's a, a cross-sectionality. There. <laughs> there's definitely. If you yes. read, you want to write. So we kind of blend those two together a lot because a lot of the programming tends to be for both. But that's what we do. And we do it every spring, every fall. It streams live online. Meaning if you go to our website, you can watch the stream there. There is no signing up and getting an invite to a Zoom meeting. It's almost like a broadcast. It is a broadcast. It's just live. And we broadcast it as well on YouTube. And we'll use whatever platforms we can for streaming. Like Facebook, you can stream live. We'll use Twitter and stuff like that. But that's why it's free. We just make it accessible to to all. And you can hang out, and you can watch, you can join the chat room. We do a virtual gift bag of goodies that are free downloads and and offer codes at the end. We do a contest, a big bookish giveaway. And anybody who then kind of checks it out and might want to be involved for the next time, we all always do a call for ideas and speakers before each book fest to, to bring people in to, to talk and be on panels.
1: That's great. Thank you for giving us a little more detail on BookFest. You want to tell us about when BookFest
0: is next happening? The next BookFest is April 2nd and 3rd. That's a Saturday and Sunday. We have a couple of really fun things. If you're familiar with The Verse, the sci-fi adventure by Dennis um, Tyler, he is going to be with us in conversation Because when I was a young girl, the book Chariots of the Gods captured my attention about UFOs. Yeah. We have a UFO debate with Michael Shermer, who is the founder of the Skeptic Society. And he's the guy you've probably seen on a lot of the ancient alien type shows and stuff. Always say, no, aliens don't exist. With Paul Hynek, whose father was one of the Project Blue Book guys. And he's even consulted on the TV show. So we're going to have a UFO debate as part of Book Fest. That sounds fun. (laughs) Plus we're doing, yeah, right, right. I'm I'm so excited for that. We do Critiquey Bar, which is when an agent and a best-selling author walk into a bar and they decide to do one page or page one critiques. Kind of something that you might find at a writer's conference where they do critiquing. So they'll be critiquing that as well as we have Brave New Writer, where authors can step onto the virtual stage and pitch their book in front of a panel of agents. That's kind of like Shark Tank, but for writers. So anybody that's interested in doing that can go to the pitching room section of the BookFest website. So just go to thebookfest.com, go to the pitching room. And you can see because we, you can upload your pitching materials, and the added benefit there is we invite agents to look at those pitches. So that's kind of like a Match.com, and we have agents that have been a- asking for full reads and manuscript reads, and you know possibly cool. getting connect, connected that way. Yeah, very cool. Great.
1: I want to thank you so much for being with me. Again, this is Desiree Duffy. She's the founder of Black Chateau and also Books That Make You and also the BookFest adventure. Desiree, thank you.
0: Oh, Becky, thank you. This has been great. I appreciate it. Thanks for
1: joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com.